But yeah, I was definitely that kid that had like, I don't know, I used to go to all the events and get like the posters of the GB team signed and they're up on my bedroom wall and you know, it was always what I wanted to do. So yeah, I think she'd be pretty proud, pretty happy. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Run-In. Yes, we are back, um, back to bring you a whole episode full of uh, walk preview, world champs preview that's coming up. Um, it is Catherine here, but I'm not joined by Will today. Will has decided he's gonna take uh, a break from the podcast for the time being. So I have recruited Nathan Lawson uh, to be the new co-host of the podcast. Welcome, Nathan. Hello, thank you for the very high pressure invite. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, no. Well, we've already done a podcast with you, um, so if anybody wants to really get the info on who Nathan is, you've got to go to the back catalogue and listen to that one. Um, but Nathan, why don't you introduce yourself to very quickly to the audience if they don't know who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Nathan Lawson. I'm a current member of the British squad. Uh, I have mostly run sprint for the British team, and I'm doing a little bit more forest at the moment. Um I also I run for OD in the UK and then leading a in Sweden as well and I suppose I'm probably most well known for running into a ballard at the World <laughs> Cup last year. Well, yeah, you you know, you're, made, you're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. I'm sure lots of people will have seen the video. And you're currently are you still based in Sheffield at the moment? No, uh, up near Leeds at the moment. Been here for eighteen months or so. Um, yeah, just work and life drags you around the country a little bit. I think at this stage. So, yeah, here it, for now. It really does. Anyway, we are we are back with the podcast, but so much has happened um, already in this season that if we took you through that in detail, I think it would be a three, four hour podcast. And I don't think anybody really wants to listen to that. So we'll, we know we've had the British, we've had the JK, we've had Norway World Cup, selection races, race the castles, just to name a few of the, the great things. So to kind of uh, you know, condense that down into hopefully a few minutes. Um, uh, I think we've both, we should both come up with our highlight of the season so far. So, uh, Nathan, what's your highlight of the season so far? Um, I think my personal highlight is uh, winning the British Sprints and Middles over in Northern Ireland. Um, so my first senior title, so that was a nice sort of um, monkey off my back, I guess. Um, yeah, gives me a bit of confidence for the rest of the year. Um, and I think for the rest of the year... It's really difficult. I think it's been really busy and there's been a lot going on, but I think probably Jaywalk just gone. Um, I think it's quite a young team and a bit of a change from the last few years. And it's some really positive results there. So, um, yeah, quite inspiring and a bit daunting seeing some of those guys coming up to the seniors in the next, uh, next few years. Yeah, they're going to be chasing your heels. For me, <laughs> I think my personal highlight was Yukula. Um, It was... I mean, I've spoken to Will like so many times in this podcast about your colour and about the uh, the vibe, the atmosphere that you have. And I'm, I've been wanting to go for years and years and years. So I was so, so excited to finally go um, this year. If it, I've like, I've now ticked off all of my things on my orienteering like bucket list that I was embarrassed at, at not having done, having had a career in ori like commentating orienteering. I was like, not proper orienteer until I've done O-Ringen, uh, Tia Mila, which is one of the other relays, and now Yukula. And I've done all of those three in the last year. So it's like, finally, um, I can say I'm a proper orienteer, orienteer, like proper international orienteer now. Um, but the the atmosphere was 
so amazing and there's like 20,000 people there and you're surrounded by people who love the sport as much as you do and it's a proper mass participation event which is what blows my mind because there's the it's a bit like the London Marathon you know you have your elites proper international people you have your really good club runners who are really wanting a time have done this loads of times they really know what they're doing you have your club runners who like yeah, they're pretty good at orienteering, but maybe they've never quite done Yukula before and it's a bit of a stretch. Then people who, you know, are okay at orienteering, but they're going around Yukula and all ages this encompasses as well. And then and then there's like the Helsinki taxi group put together a team and they all go and do it. And you've got some people hours and hours and hours out in this forest and they don't really orienteer at all but yet somehow they manage to get into a group and they get round um and just having that whole spectrum doing exactly the same course and everything uh it's just it was amazing and um i managed to last the whole night compensating <laughs> which was not easy <laughs> um uh i well, once i'd done tiamila which was longer i was like i can do your color it's fine um but it was it was um it was an experience i would actually do it again though so um uh yeah you never know i might make a habit of this overnight broadcast thing did you did you manage to get a run or did you were you just commentating the whole time well i got a run uh, i pre-ran the shortest leg of venla and still missed a ah, few cool. controls out because it was <laughs> boiling it was it was mm. like 29 degrees or something ridiculous um and honestly the map was amazing the terrain was amazing but the map was so accurate i was like slightly off to a control and i was in a tiny bit of open maybe like 10 meters or of open and I thought well this is definitely a bit of open here and I thought oh it's that on the map that tiny bit of yellow on the map that is where it is my control should just be over there oh there it is like just the fact that like the, that map was that accurate mm. I could navigate by all those fine details it was I was so I was very impressed I just really was um and I had yeah I, I was super jealous I was after the test races I was uh supposed to go out with leading her uh but it was a really late decision because it was sort of getting to walk i probably won't sort of travel but if not and sort of summer freeze up a bit but then um i was trying to book a flight like six days before and they were so expensive and just, yeah just i it was one of them where at the time i was like it's not affordable i can't do it it's so annoying you know like three days before mm. or whatever mm. and then on the day on the saturday i saw the pictures saw the terrain saw the you know the massive stream of headlamps and i thought <laughs> You know what for 500 quid that doesn't seem too bad actually it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well yeah yeah, yeah. next year i think it's... well well i'm not sure i'm still not sure it's 500 quid's worth of worth of orienteering there but um no if, was, if you run it maybe if you run good. along like but yeah it's... yeah you'll have to do long night and then you'll be, yeah. then, you'll be then it's definitely worth every every pound that you spend definitely. yeah <laughs> Um, anyway, bring on the next one. That's what I say. Um, but I think we should actually touch a little bit more on, on Jaywalk, on those Junior World Championships that have just been taking place um, in Romania. Um, because, I mean, yeah, that's just been going on. Um, and as you said, it is a pretty young team. Um, there are a few 20s there, but actually quite a lot of them are 18s. So there's like four, eight years that you can go to... Um, jaywalk and a lot of a lot of the team were kind of in the early years but um uh we we both i think maybe were watching a lot of the the tracking and the the coverage whilst maybe 
supposed to being at work but um <laughs> what did you what did you make of it I, I thought it was really exciting yeah um it was i don't know whether it's um just you know been a, a time since i've sort of paid too much attention or, or been at jaywalk but it seemed like way more stacked and competitive and tighter than i remember it was mm. you know like seconds between people on almost every race whereas i don't remember it being quite as um as close when i was racing um so it's, it's really exciting to see the kind of depth coming through not just in um in the uk but just generally i think there's a really really strong pool of athletes there that are going to be uh yeah challenging at, at every level in the next next few years yeah um i mean the the sprint um we had some great results in that particularly jim bailey into eighth rachel brown in 16th then there's the two sprint relay teams coming 22nd 21st and 22nd you can see them finish right next to each other those sprint races i thought they looked really great there was full of you really had to yeah, keep yeah. on it the whole time mm-hmm. yeah it was, I, I, I think my favorite part of the of the week watching it was the maze and the sprint relay yeah. And I looked at it and thought, if I saw that on the map, I would immediately try and, like, I'd go around it. I'd avoid it as, yeah. as much as possible. I was yeah. speaking to Mary about the same. You, you saw people trying to plough into the maze and going through it. I was like, what are you doing on a relay? It's <laughs> just, you know, if you can pull it off, fair enough. But I'm not even sure there was a way through. So, uh, so yeah, it's really, really good race. I thought really well planned. And the terrain looked um, maybe nicer than I was expecting from what I'd heard. I heard it was a bit um, physical in places. But, yeah, it just looked like a really, a really good week, I think. Yeah, the uh, middle, long and relay were all kind of on the same terrain. So they had the same um, finish um, and then using kind of different parts of like what is a big area. And especially the, the relay use a lot of the kind of green area in the south um, with which. And it started with some gorgeous drone shots of everybody running across the open area, which I think is obviously why they why they decided to do that and show it on a relay. You can, re- you can see see the thought process there um and you know particular highlights again another 19th place for jim bailey that was in the middle distance um you and trina 20th in the long um rachel duckworth uh, tw- uh, she was the best um female in the long in 49th and, and pulling up from uh i think quite a, a disappointing performance for her in the middle distance race so that was really really great to see but i think the the overall performances um in the relay were the ones were my was my personal highlight because the team of um Jim, Jim and Trina finished eighth and they were the seventh nation. Uh just outside the podium I could see that Ewan was really uh kind of just annoyed with himself at the end, but that's such a great achievement for the whole team. And then the women's team as well, Emmy Peters, Rachel Brown, Isabel Howard, they were tenth, which is the seventh nation, um, which was really, really great. Kind of like team performances consistent performances for all of them that was mm-hmm. my highlight i think yeah and, and on that relay as well obviously this uh jim was second or third on first leg as well which is you know so impressive at jaywalk it's it's i think it's the most chaotic relay you can watch maybe with the sprint relay coming in that might take it now but it, it's such a difficult race to try and keep your head in so that was really yeah i think he sort of showed showed how much he's kicked on in the last year this week so it was really good and i think like you were saying about the the relay performance i think that's a really good marker of um like when we talk about depth if you can do it across multiple relay teams performing really well that shows that there's a really good strong unit there rather than just relying on individuals if that makes sense so yeah exciting things to come i think in the next next few years for jaywalk and obviously into the sort of younger senior um senior ranks so yeah really positive week 
Well, um, we've still got our World Champs, our walk preview still to come, and we're going to have a little talk about the, the selection races, I think, as well, and then um, think about who, who, we, who we are picking for potential medalists for the World Championships. But before we get to that, there was a, a big bit of news in the last um, month or so in terms of the world of uh, British orienteering, which was the retirement of Alice Lee. She's made the decision to... Um, end her career here, ending it on a high with the bronze medal in the sprint at the World Championships in Denmark um, around about a year ago. So um, we thought we'd better get her on the podcast and find out um, exactly why she wanted to make that decision. A big congrats to Alice on a fantastic career. Um, I want to jump in straight with the first um, question, which is, how did you decide that now is the right time to retire? Oh, it's, um, yeah, it was difficult. It's never an easy thing to, to make that decision. I think I'd oh, probably known since like the start of this year, um, maybe like 99%. Um, but I think it was actually telling people made it a little bit, you know, it makes it real, doesn't it? Um, which is probably why I held on for so long. Um, yeah, I think... I mean, I've known since, was it 2018, when they awarded um, Edinburgh the world champs. And I think since then, I'd, you know, the timeline was always I was going to do that in 2022. And that would kind of be a nice ending. And that would be when I'd retire. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, the pandemic happened and all those things that's kind of outside of your control. Um, yeah, and then I just got to this year and it's, I don't know, kind of achieved what I wanted to achieve. Um, yeah, and it's, it's quite a big commitment to keep going for another two years. Um, I think that just the drive wasn't there. I mean, I wouldn't want to keep going if it wasn't at the same level. Mm. Um, you know, if I was I going remember. for Edinburgh, I'd want to be going for a medal and kind of pushing on that level. And yeah, it's a lot. It's been kind of my life for the last eight years and it you know it's it's intense and I think it's it's really fun when you're you know like in your mid-20s and you're traveling the world and you're going on training camps and you're doing all this stuff with your friends it's great but I'm 32 now and it's um <laughs> you know I've got a career and a house and a mortgage and a fiance and it's just yeah it's a different stage of life and kind of different priorities and I just didn't feel that I could give it 100% commitment through to next year. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go to world champs if I'm just going for a, a top 10. It's, it's kind of as simple as that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's sad. Like, you don't ever want to let go, but you, you've got to at some point. And, um, yeah, it just felt like the right time. Was it important to end on a high? Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like maybe if last year hadn't gone so well, maybe there'd still be that kind of burning desire to want to keep going. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's quite nice being able to end on your own terms. I just felt like I'd achieved what I wanted to do. And for the last kind of four or five years, it's always been this goal of I want to win a medal. And that's what's been pushing me on. And that's what gets you through the training. And yeah, I just kind of... I've. I've done what I wanted to do and I guess yeah that that kind of burning push to keep going is just yeah it's, it's not there anymore. I remember speaking to you I think at one of the air night leagues this winter and it was like a horrible cold wet evening <laughs> and we had that conversation because I, I think I was saying you know you 
planting over Edinburgh next year to sort of cap it off. And you were saying exactly what you said there about, oh, I'm not sure if the motivation's there. And I wasn't sure if that was just a, oh, it's like late November and miserable and I don't really want to be yeah. like out in the rain. Yeah, I think I anyone think, that's yeah. spoken to me yeah. since last autumn probably, <laughs> yeah, could probably tell my thought process, yeah. Mm. I mean, but you think, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been there for all that time. It was kind of... I don't know, so many people are like, yeah, I'm going to do it, like, really excited. And um, mm. yeah, I think it's really like, quite committed. It's, it's nice it's kind of on your terms. I think, you know, you see so many people that get, like, a bad injury or, you know, something happens sort of outside of orienteering. And obviously we're not kind of, like, professional, so it is kind of like a fine balance of life and orienteering. Yeah. So I think it's nice to have been able to do it on your own terms and, like you say, achieve that sort of long-term goal you've got and then get that satisfaction from it because I think mm-hmm. it would be quite a... You know, if you hadn't got that medal, if it was like another fourth place, then maybe it's just that like nagging doubt that keeps going. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's really good to see. And I think a lot of people sort of think that as well. I think it's, um, yeah, like a very respected decision, if that makes sense from everyone I've spoken to. Yeah. You, do, you think you start to feel your age as well. I mean, I know, <laughs> you know Daniel Hubman's still going at 40, isn't he? But <laughs> personally, I don't know, I find I'm kind of struggling to recover from sessions and you just pick up little niggles and it's yeah it's not so easy as 10 years ago (laughs) and what's it like now now that everybody knows now it's out in the open presumably you wanted to announce it before race the castles because it was a selection race and you were like i'm not gonna not going for selection so what is it like now everyone knows yeah so i should i mean i should have announced it months ago but um yeah it was basically the selection races gave me that deadline (laughs) but i need to get this out in the world um, yeah, I mean, nothing much has changed. I guess it's nice. It's kind of a relief not to to feel like I have to keep training at the same level just in case I change my mind. It's, you know, it's finalised, it's committed and I can just do what I want in life now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to, we wanna, you know, talk a bit about, you know, the career that you've had and the achievements that you've had. And, you know, if, if, 20 year, if, if 12 year old Alice was, was, was here right now, what would she think about all that you've achieved and how far you've come in those, you know, 20 years um, uh, and what you've done in the sport? Yeah, I don't think she would believe it. I was, um, <laughs> I was actually at home at my parents' house this past weekend and um, found, like, my diary from when I was 12. And in it, it's like, oh, I don't know, like, things you can fill in and it's like, what's your dream in life? And it's, it's like, to be a professional orienteer which was uh, so cute. <laughs> um, yeah, I was definitely that kid that had, like, I don't know, I used to go to all the events and get, like, the posters of the GB team signed and they're up on my bedroom wall. And, you know, it was always what I wanted to do. So, yeah, I think she'd be pretty proud, pretty happy. Yeah, she absolutely should be. What What would you say of, you know, all the, the races that, you, that you've raced, what, what was your best race? Was it, that, was it that one in Denmark? Was it maybe something, something else? I mean, I probably should say it's my medal race, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I think we all know that it's, personal performance doesn't necessarily equate to a result or a time or anything no, like that. I think it's still the same one that stands out for me. It's that first world champs in Scotland. Um, so it's me, Charlotte and Ruth in the sprint qualifier. Um, and like. I don't think anyone even expected us to make the final. Like, all our preparation was just for the quality. I don't think I'd barely even keep to the final area. We'd put so much preparation just into the quality. Um, yeah, and it's just that moment when we all found out that we'd got through, like, I mean, 
like I scraped through into the final but it was just the best feeling I don't think yeah I don't think I've actually ever topped that the whole career and that was the, the very first race I remember driving back to the accommodation and everyone was there waiting and they were like playing music out the windows and <laughs> jumping up and down it was I don't know it felt like we'd like one walk it was so good <laughs> <laughs> well that's your expectations and your aims and yeah. achieving them no matter like what that they are brilliant yeah and and I guess I, I mean I w- it's about a year on from Denmark um and from those world championships from that bronze medal um I was doing quite a sad thing of watching all the races back <laughs> and um watching all watching the performances and watching that sprint race and um just kind of reliving all of those all of those memories and particularly when I remember the first time I started getting emotional in that broadcast was seeing you start start bursting into tears because you'd realize you've got a medal and it's oh it nearly set me off I tell you but like it's so embarrassing <laughs> you saw me after that race that was even more embarrassing I hadn't even won anything and I was a mess <laughs> um, but I mean what I how do you I mean it's a whole year since that race what do, what will you always take away from that that and that experience yeah I think it was a very stressful week that whole week leading up to the race um yeah like normally I don't know when it used to be a mixed wall like you'd sprint it'd be first and you'd just be out of the way and it was kind of <laughs> hanging on and waiting and it was I don't know yeah it wasn't the most fun week I've ever had of my life <laughs> um, yeah I'm just proud I don't know it's um yeah it just finally felt like a culmination of everything that I kind of felt that I could do but you know putting together just I guess, I mean, we said it at the time, wasn't it? It was just a normal race and having a normal race and not having to do anything amazing um, and getting an awesome result out of it just, yeah, kind of felt complete and it was nice. Did you did you find it, it felt like that, I guess, on race day? Because sometimes I've had it where I've been really nervous for a race all week before and you get to race and it's almost like a relief. It's like, oh, finally, I can actually do what I've been preparing to do. And then almost you're more calm on the start line which is such a contrast to how you felt all week but um yeah I don't know like in the race did you feel like everything was just clicking like you expected it to or was there still that sort of nervous energy I mean I felt awful I don't think I've ever been so nervous <laughs> as I was in quarantine kind of that like the pre-start bit I just I didn't even want to start I was just horrifically <laughs> nervous um yeah I think I just because there'd not been any races all week to kind of get it out of your system um yeah, I think I was nervous for the whole first loop and then it was just when we went through the arena and there was like, you know, the water splash and that was the first time I just thought, oh, this is fun. And then it just like instantly relaxed um, and then the second half of my race was really good. Yeah, I think you need that. You need to be focused, don't you, to perform. You can't have that mm-hmm. kind of... It's a balance, isn't it? Kind of where the nerves tip over and affect your performance and I think yeah it was kind of that arena passage and then just suddenly relaxed and everything started to click and I started to enjoy myself and then suddenly the performance comes and you do all the right things and Mm. you pick the right routes and it just it becomes natural you almost don't think about it anymore. Mm. Did you hear any like any any commentary at that point as well because sometimes when you go through an arena and you hear you know that you're having a good run either like some people can lean into that or they can 
that's when the nerves really sort of amp up and you mm. sort of lose that focus. No, I didn't hear anything, so I just thought okay. I'm probably just having an average run and it hadn't <laughs> felt like a great run, so I just, yeah, kind of presumed that. Um, I think the only thing I heard, I think it was Chris or some of the guys kind of screaming at um, <laughs> the second start kite. It's probably me, I think. Switched, just... switched on the focus. <laughs> Could well have been. Yeah. <laughs> I switched on the focus, but um, yeah, and I didn't hear any commentary. Then did you hear anything coming up the run-in then? Just lots of screaming from the Brits, um, <laughs> kind of near the last control. So I th- at that point, I was like, okay, it's probably a decent run then. <laughs> but um, no, didn't know what position it would be until I finished. And are you a nervous waiter on the on the chair, or once you know you've got into the chair, it's like whatever happens happens? Um, I think I'm normally quite relaxed, but. I don't know, I think as it went on, I got more and more nervous. I think I was just, kind of initially, I was just happy to be there and then kind of, you know, wasn't bothered if someone came in and immediately knocked you out. But yeah, I think kind of the longer you sit there and the the more it gets towards, you know, a good result, a podium result, then I'm a very much um, heart on my sleeve kind of person. I can't hide my emotions. I think my my favourite... My favourite part of that was when Meg finished and I saw this the two of you on the stage just like see each other and clock that you'd obviously both got a medal and that was just so nice because it was like you know clearly obviously trained together and raced together so much and then it wasn't like a oh my god I can't believe this sort of thing it was it was a bit like a like you say a culmination of that sort of hard work yeah it was just a really nice moment I thought of like I don't know a bit of relief obviously because Meg was starting late and sort of knew the positions then but yeah I thought that was really cool and nice to see that sort of I don't know sigh of relief almost when <laughs> when that happened yeah I mean it's nice like we just we race each other you know yeah. well you know yeah. with all the the races and the selection races year in um kind of you know week on week and we're always within like a few seconds of each other but mm. you don't know where that's gonna translate <laughs> to on a world stage so it's yeah it's pretty cool to be I mean she usually just beats me and to <laughs> <laughs> just beat me but both be on a podium it was pretty awesome and yeah it's a lot more fun isn't it to share it with with teammates and um yeah kind of sharing that joy mm. yeah I bet the party was pretty good last that night yeah it was quite fun <laughs> <laughs> actually we got there really late pre-party at your accommodation <laughs> I think and then well and then not me and Megan we had to go to doping control <laughs> oh, we were there yeah. for hours um, so we missed most of it, but oh man, a little bit was good. <laughs> um, well, I want I want to reflect a bit more in general about about your career, and I, I want to find out. You know, people, you see these these races, you see the results, and you see all of those kind of things. What what is the bit that people don't see about your career, and maybe you kind of wish wish people knew about or or or, or did did be able to see. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, people, you know, people can see all all the training that's kind of publicly available. I guess it's a lot of preparation as a team that maybe kind of the general public don't see. We don't just kind of turn up on the day um, and do the race. There's you know an awful lot of preparation that goes into kind of tailoring your training to to what the Kind of the challenges of the race might be to mapping areas, kind of, you know, planning courses for each other, analysing 
route choices and distances and you know it's, it's hours and hours of work that goes into it and I guess kind of all the mental side of things as well as you know reflecting before um we had this call and I think I you know kind of used to think it was you did your physical training and you did your orienteering and that was kind of it but there's such like a psychological element to it as well and kind of getting yourself in that place where you're comfortable with you know commentary and gps tracking and tv cameras and spectators and kind of all that stress and the nerves and the expectation and i guess it just takes years and years to to kind of learn how to deal with that but um yeah i think that's a big thing in performance yeah i I really think so and is is there something that about orienteering that you wish you'd learnt about or figured out sooner in your career maybe it's something to do with the mental side of things or that concept you've you've talked a lot about about having a a normal run yeah I think so I think when I was a junior I used to have to think oh I need to go to like the future champions cup (laughs) all those races and you had to like pull something amazing out the bag and you had to you know give like the performance of your life and really excel and it's you know, orienteering is no different. I can go to my local park in Leeds and do an orienteering course. That's is no different from doing a world champs course. Like you just, you're finding a control and you're finding the next control. It's, it's a very simple process. It's just, it is the psychological side of it. It's, yeah, kind of keeping calm and, you know, you, you're just going orienteering. You're just reading the map. You're just finding controls. Like, <laughs> yes, you have to physically peak or you know something like that but yeah there's no no particular secret to it (laughs) well it's it's finding those controls finding another control finding another control has taken you to some amazing places what what have been some of the highlights in terms of the places you've been able to get to go Uh, i mean so in 2016 we got the opportunity to go on park world tour to beijing in china that was definitely the coolest place that was um so glad that we had that chance um yeah it was just incredible kind of i don't know just surreal you're kind of orienteering around these temples and around the olympic park and it's just bizarre places and yes <laughs> it was such a good trip um we went like running on the great wall of china and kind of just opportunities that you would never get if you didn't do this sport it's yeah it's awesome yeah, and you'd never even dream as a 12-year-old that, that you would orienteer in China, that you'd picture that moment. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, what What is next for you? Are you going to stay in the sport in some way? Are you going to take a break from the sport for a while? Um, do you even know? What What is next for you? <laughs> no, so I've got no plans to ever stop orienteering. I think it's, it's lifelong, isn't it? Um, so I'm going next weekend and the weekend after. I've got races <laughs> booked in. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to not be training on quite the same level. So I don't like, I'll never stop running and kind of wanting to be fit and healthy. But um, yeah, just cutting it back to, I guess, a, a normal level. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so still competing, but just not at the, not bothering the podium, just at a, a lower level just doing it for fun um and then yeah I'm hoping to kind of get a bit more involved in kind of the planning side of things um so I'm going to do some of that and then 
I'm thinking of also doing my controlling course. Um, so yeah, kind of getting more involved in a organisation, kind of behind the scenes type thing for now. Um, and then I'm sure the competitive drive will come back at some point and I can you know, go to World Masters or try and win like the W40 or something in, in the future. <laughs> so yeah, it's, just it's, doing it's it for fun years. now. So it was four years until your first World Masters? Uh, you posted something years. recently, three years. It's quite yeah. depressing. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I'll continue to do some World Masters sprinting. That might be fun. Have you had any thoughts about um, like other disciplines? Obviously, Charlotte ran a marathon. You've seen like Chris and Kat and Sasha on, on the mountains. Any any plans to have a, a crack at anything else? Yeah, so that was kind of my initial thoughts of what I wanted to do. Um, but then I've, quite, I've been quite enjoying not doing so much training. So I'm not sure. I might go. I mean, I'm, I don't think I'll do a marathon, but I might kind of go back to the the road running or the hill running or something like maybe not road running I don't know I do quite fancy doing like some trails and fells and that type of thing but um yeah already already involvement in uh, next year's walk then in in Edinburgh maybe just going Um, volunteering and guarding a control or something (laughs) yeah I think that'd be nice I don't know I've been potentially asked to like pre-run some of the courses on the day um yeah I'm definitely going to be going up there so it'd be good to to have some involvement and um but yeah I don't know what yet and of course you're um you know you've mostly competed at sprint but you're very much forest orienteer as well just not on the international level will you be keeping an eye on the world championships coming up in the next week as well oh definitely I've been doing some work today so that I can try and skype off on Thursday and watch the long distance (laughs) yeah and I'm a full fully committed orienteering fan I've been watching jaywalk this week and yeah, I love it. So, yeah, I'll definitely be following the team and, um, yeah, wish them luck. What What are your predictions then for walk? I mean, not necessarily in who's going to do what, but but what are you expecting to kind of see? Oh, buy me hard courses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't follow the, the forest results so closely in that I could kind of predict to you who might be winning. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be very physical. Um was it the middle distance test races? Looked really technical, really yeah. tricky. Um, so I can imagine some, you know, big mistakes there. And <laughs> I think it's going to be good to follow. Well, I think we should leave it there. Um, leave it on the high note of whatever, whatever's going to come next. I'm sure you're going to have a great time. You can get on with, with living your life now, not having to battle it with orienteering as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks so much for chatting to us, Alice. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Nathan. So thanks so much to Alice for having a chat to us on the podcast. Um, Nathan, she's always very, very level-headed and very kind of has... very. I always think she's been a very stable part of the team for for Mm. the whole time she's been there. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, I I only came into the senior team really in 2021 after COVID and Alice has been a, a kind of mainstay in that and I've only been in the what team at least for sprint so um alice has been a really good person to have around sort of person to look up to in terms of being able to deal with obviously racing at that top level and yeah he's always a really good good sort of character to have in a team so um definitely be missed i think um in and around the quarantine and and the team areas yeah a good good stable presence like you say yeah definitely and i mean it opens it up for you know uh 
I mean, obviously, she was never a shoe in She had to, she would have to have qualified for Edinburgh, but obviously, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of now good competition as to who else is going to make that, that team for the Edinburgh World Championships. Speaking of World Championships, um, hopefully this podcast is going out literally just ahead of these the uh, Forest World Championships, which are taking place uh, in the Swiss Alps in a place called Flims and Larks. Um, I am going to be heading out there on Wednesday to do a lot of the commentary for it um, and of course we've got a fantastic British team who's going to be um, competing in that one. Uh, they were some very very tricky selection races Nathan I know you were taking part in those um, not heading out to um, to Switzerland uh, unfortunately but uh, tell us a little bit about those selection races um, out in Switzerland um, and how tricky they were because I was enjoying watching the the live results the gps tracking my goodness me yeah i mean i guess in in contrast to what we we're talking about with jaywalk being on the same area it was three really really different um different terrains and i think hopefully are really representative of what we're going to see next week in in walk with uh, a lot of different challenges um so i guess running through in order we had the first um first test race in the more technical rocky rolling hills and then um you know some sort of fast transition elements but um I think that's the race most people seem to have done most of the prep for. That was the one that um, there's an area called Crestacy, which is one of the training areas, and everyone has spent a lot of time on there trying to get to grips with that. Um, it's almost like glacial slip sort of stuff, so it's a lot of... Um, Lots of little knolls, almost, right? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's like... It's not particularly logical contour detail, if that makes sense. It's a big jumble of rock and contour that's in and around itself, and um, really difficult to try and you kind of can't do anything but go straight or really really far around so um it's really kind of like pure orienteering because you have to do almost feature to feature there's not a huge amount of kind of big shapes to pick up or big pattern anything like that so really difficult orienteering um i think given it was the first test race that made it even more difficult because you were sort of throwing it right at the deep end mm. um yeah i think i don't know if many people had a you know perfectly clean run i think if you did you would have a really really good position yeah um, i mean even uh, all of the top runners i think everybody made a yeah. mistake to be honest yeah yeah which is i mean it's exciting for next week i think you know given the i think the middle area looks possibly even more technical so um i think it's gonna be really challenging yeah um i had a really good run until uh, a couple of controls from the end and then um the one control i didn't follow my plan on i then kind of blew it completely which was frustrating but you know, a lot of messages from it. Um, had some really good some really good runs from the Brits in there as well um, Josh and Ralph especially had you know, really strong stable runs as you'd kind of expect from Scandinavian based athletes in that mm. terrain I think um, but yeah it was uh, it was a great way to kick off the week and then we rolled into more of a not not necessarily typical alpine terrain but really um, steep sided slope orienteering not a lot of features, uh, more kind of vegetation and like subtle folds in the in the contours. Um, I think underfoot and like around it felt a bit like Scotland in places, but probably steeper but more runnable. Um, really different contrast because you know it's a lot of holding holding the line on a compass, going up and down slopes, mm. um, trying to work out where you can and can't use the vegetation because sometimes it was really good and sometimes it was a little bit vaguer. Um, Maybe a bit of sort of seasonal changes in that, I think, um, and then just just brutally physical, like almost. I think it's the first running I've seen at an international race where 
I think people were walking up it and like wow. it was a, like a you know 45 degree slope up to just oh a, a van parked there and everyone looked completely broken and the people that didn't had unsurprisingly very good runs so mm-hmm. um yeah exciting race again very very challenging it was sort of terrain if you if you're a bit off on your bearing there's almost nothing to relocate on so you yeah you really get punished for making mistakes i think um yeah you had to be like the right height yeah. on the slope and all of those kind of yeah. things as well and there wasn't a huge amount to tell you whether you were on the right slope mm-hmm. and if you decided to go round, you were committing to quite a lot of like extra physical work which you know really comes back to bite you later in the race so yeah super challenging um yeah again it's um i think that's most representative of the relay which is going to be such a tough race i think especially coming towards the back end of the week when people have already already raced so yeah um great right you know really well organized considering it's test races which is a much smaller field and not as much space in value so um that was really good and then the long race which i think people were already quite tired uh for it's a bit of a it's about two or three hour drive from where the other test races were and okay. obviously you had that sort of in your legs and a bit battered by the terrain um probably more typically swiss i think um, yeah very alpine looking yeah i mean i don't know whether it's a generalization it's the first time i've raced in switzerland but from having watched internationals to me it seems a lot of um swiss long races are maybe four or five kind of consequential legs but mm. they're like really consequential so they'll be we had about a 20 minute long leg and one route was just generally about three minutes slower even though it looked kind of viable mm. um and then later on you know there's things that look like a fairly short leg but you have to go quite a long way around a hill or a big steep climb up and over so it feels like if i think whoever in what gets those decisions right and is in good shape yeah they'll have a good run and i think if you know even if people are in the best shape of their life if they're losing two or three minutes on a on a long leg, it's really hard to, to sort of yeah. fight that back. So, yeah, I think going to be um, really exciting races based on what we did a month or so ago in uh, in Switzerland. So, and hopefully a good test for people that are now in the team, so they know how to prepare and, and sort of what to expect in their head. I think. Yeah, it was it was yeah. I mean, the, all of as you exactly as you said, all of those races were I think will be a really good preview for um, for the championships at this point. I do not, even though I'm commentating, I do not know anything more than anybody else. Um, so I've not seen any maps. I will be pre-running, not the long, because that is too long for me. Um, but the middle, hopefully, and the relay, I will hopefully run those. But at this point, I haven't, I have not seen anything more than anybody else has. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm completely free to talk you know about what i think is going to happen because i literally don't know anyone you um at this point um so we have that um we we start up on the thursday in fact we actually start on the wednesday sorry with the um middle qualification we've got uh, josh dudley ralph street ali thomas um and cecilia anderson megan carter davis and grace malloy are all bracing that middle i think it's achievable for them all to get through i think it's actually easier to qualify for a middle at a world championships than a middle at a world cup race because um there's just smaller teams um so i think it's it's achievable for them all to qualify we will see uh and then we go straight into thursday's long distance race uh and for that we've got pete bray and josh dudley uh and we've got again cecilia and megan and this time we've got uh joe shepherd in there as well um who who are who are your favorites i guess if we look kind of more widely um for that long distance race 
I mean, I think the long is, for me, the most interesting of the week. Um, so I've been having a look back through. So we had Eurometer in 2021. We had the World Cup at the end of last year. We just had the recent test races. And we've had the Swiss-only test races. Um, so I think the men's I'm a little bit closer to because that's the one I normally race inside. I think I have a better idea of form. Um, but I think I think we might see almost a bit of a changing of the guard this year. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Casper uh, is always someone you have to throw in there, a current long-distance world champion. Yeah, Casper Foster. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. So I think I'm not entirely sure on what order yet, but I think Casper Foster, uh, I think Joey, based on his, Joey Hadorn, based on his Swiss test race, he won mm-hmm. by five minutes or so. Um, and I think if you're doing that... He is very physically yeah, strong. Yeah, if, if you're doing um, that four weeks away yeah. from Wok, then I think that's a really good indication. And then uh, I think Olia Yanaho might finally get his Wok medal. So he won Euromeeting two years ago, won both races. Um, and he's been living, or he's been based sort of in different Alpine areas for the last year or so, so should be in really good shape. I think he ran the test races a month ago, but because he's pre-selected, he wasn't necessarily racing quite as hard as other people going for teams so um yeah i think if there's no issues i'm i think those three sort of younger guys which uh around my age compared to maybe the people in the sort of early 30s that have been winning the medals recently might just tip the balance um based on the kind of physicality um but you never know daniel hubman won world cup final no yeah you're absolutely right and, and he's you know, hard. Yeah. He, he's 40 yeah. yeah absolutely it's i just i just think with the the sort of just the physical side and based on how the um how the test race was planned and the sort of crucial legs were really physical i think um yeah they might just have a little bit too much power but i think daniel Hummel will probably be top six i just don't think he'll quite have the edge yeah, for the medal yeah. um it's a uh, men's course is 14k in, yeah. by the way 680 meters climb expecting winning time is 90 minutes although i'm pretty sure everybody's going to run a lot further than that uh, the women's is 11k, 500 and I think 10 meters of climb. Expected winning time for them is uh, 82 minutes, of course, because it's the first world champs where the women's uh, winning time is getting longer. They're eventually going to be the same as the men's. Um, and who are you looking for in the women's? For me, I mean, obviously Tova Alexanderson. Um, <laughs> but I really, really rate Sarah Hagström this year. I mean, she beat Tova yeah. in the World Cup in Norway. Uh, she's been mm. out in Italy for like months and months and months. Um, I think she's honestly my favourite for this year um, with an honourable shout out as well mm. to Natalia Gempler, who's now running for Switzerland. She was running for Russia, but for obvious reasons, Russians are not allowed to run. She is married to a Swiss. She has a daughter in Switzerland. You know, she for any Russian joining another team, you can make most i'm sure you can make most of the case for for natalia to join that swiss team um any others you want to mention um yeah i think uh elena Roos. i think she's announced that she will be retiring after the world championships yeah. so and i i know she's um i think she's only selected for the long and maybe the long and the relay um <laughs> and i i just think if if you're announcing your retirement then i think you know, you're going to be throwing absolutely everything into it. And she ran a really good race last year at the World Cup. And, um, yeah, has, has seemingly been in good form at the test races. So I think um, I think that extra motivation from coming at home World Champs will maybe just carry her into, into one of those medal spots. Um, I think it's... 
I think it will come down to who's maybe feeling physically the best and maybe the people that aren't running the middle distance will have, you know, a little bit more energy uh, the day after the qualifier. Um, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you in terms of um, Sarah Hagstrom being in really good shape and um, heard from reliably from Josh, who's in the same club as there, Josh Dudley, um, that she's kind of really after that medal this year. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I'll, um, I think, maybe Sarah and Tove for gold and silver. And then I think that bronze medal is wide open, to be honest. There is probably 10 girls that could could get that that medal. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Simona Abersold, Andrina Benjaminson. (laughs) I mean, we could... Megan Carter-Davis, you never know. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, Absolutely could take it. Uh, uh, Quickly move on to the middle distance, because I think that one's going to be, you know, who gets the navigation right for me. And I think it could be wide open. I think who qualifies as well, you know, if the if the mm. qualifier is as technical as uh, as we saw it was in the test races, then there could be some real, really big surprises. Um, I think I'm leaning more towards probably the Scandinavian countries based on how technical the terrain is and mm-hmm. based on the results of the test races. So I think uh, it, it's so hard to call, you know, in terms of actually putting a name on it, but um, I think maybe... I'm going to go with Gustav Bergman being in the mix and probably I think Emil Svensk as well. If he can, mm-hmm. I think physically, you know, he's always so strong in the Swedes and if he can sort of hold it together, then I think those two. And then um, I think Matthias Kivertz is running as well, isn't he? With yeah, um, sure. defending world yeah. champion. So yeah, he'll have his own place. Yeah. yeah. So probably him. And then I guess I'll put, Casper Potter in there again because I think you just have to keep yeah, the conversation. Yeah, you, should never, yeah. you should never. You should never. Yeah. And and for me, I think um, the the women's. I think you have all the same people we we already yeah. mentioned, but people like Marie Katani. I think is only running the middle yeah. distance, um, mm-hmm. and she's a middle. She's pretty much one of the only people I would call a middle distance specialist. Um, and the Finns, I think, have done really well this year. They're really benefiting yeah. from maybe having Thierry Georgiou as their mm. coach. Um, and like, like similarly with Oli Oyanaho, he he is now cemented himself as the best male Finn in the forest. I mm-hmm. think so. You know, there's there's a lot of up from them. I think too. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think um, I, I think it's so difficult to call the middle this year. I think maybe in previous years when it's been, you know, the Czech throne was quite physical and you could see who'd spent a lot of time there. And I think the with the Crestacy map that's the most similar so I don't know whether a lot of people know this but the organisers have said that teams are only allowed to train once in May and once in June on that map so mm-hmm. it's not like you can spend hours and hours in that really really mm-hmm. similar terrain yeah there are other pockets of maps that are similar but I think it's going to be a really good test of who's orienteering the best on the day rather than who's prepared the best if that makes sense so I think that's going to be the most exciting race of the week probably yeah it's definitely the one i'm looking forward the most to pre-running just because i think it's the technicality of it it's going to be um so so high there's so many contours everything kind of looks the same um you've got to be i think keep really really good map contact um to be able to be successful because i think once you're going slightly off it's it's really it's really really hard to 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 bring it back completely I think it's um it's an interesting map when you when you look at it on a computer screen you sort of look at it and it's you know oh there's a crag and a boulder and a little knoll but those small knolls are five meters high and the crags are five meters high and the boulders are like you know they're the size of like a garden shed so 
if you make a small mistake, it all looks the same, but also you haven't got that visibility to pick out, oh, I'm too far along the slope or, you know, I'm, I'm in this big re-entrance shape. It's, you can really convince yourself you're um, in the right place for quite a long time in that terrain. And that by the time you've done and that... And that, I think, is why it's really then, hard yeah. to keep a bearing as well, because you're going yeah, to go round yeah. these shed-sized crags, boulders, um, yeah. hills, and then you've, yeah. you've, you've got to go all the way around it to then make sure you're still on your compass bearing. So that's, yeah, that, I think, it's, is quite hard. Yeah, um, I think I think it's, a, it's the area to be... If you can be... You know, you're not necessarily, you may be running at like 90%, but you're super clinical with your orienteering. Mm. You'll get mm. a lot of reward for that, I think. Yeah. Um, a quick word on the relay. Um, obviously, we the relay teams aren't published yet, um, although I think uh, GB has pre-selected them, even though they're not public, so we won't, we won't go into that. Um, but... Um, Obviously, they they will be uh, announcing all the people uh, probably the the day before. Um, for me, again, I mean, uh, Sweden have got to be the favourites for me. Um, in I think in the relays, especially in the women's, I think the men's could be a lot closer. But um, for the women's, it's got to be Sweden. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I I wonder whether Natalia Gampler coming into the Swiss team might yeah. just bridge that gap a little bit. I think so. Actually. Um, but yeah, I I don't disagree. I think the the Swedish women are so strong. You know, they could swap nine people in, and it's the same sort of strength of team. So I think again, I think it's probably that bronze medal spot is is a bit more open. I think you'd put Norway, probably Finland. Mm. Um, it was interesting actually at the test races that quite a few of the more alpine countries were running quite well. So there was a lot of good results in the French teams and the Austrians mm. and some of the Italian runners. So I wonder whether the physicality also might just again make it a, a bigger pack chasing that bronze medal than it has been in previous years so yeah but i, I don't i think it's going to be a bit of a shootout between sweden and switzerland and then a yeah, yeah. a dog fight for that bronze medal i think well um it's going to be very exciting i'm going to be there um commentating on all of the finals and and of course we've got so we wish pete josh ralph ali and will and cecilia megan grace and joe um we wish them all the best uh, out there competing and i think it's going to be really really exciting but i think we should uh leave the podcast there um thanks very much nathan for jumping in as a co-host uh looking forward to yeah. doing lots more podcasts and <laughs> have, have, um, I, I passed my, have i passed my trial or <laughs> it was never a trial i knew you i knew you'd be i knew you'd be great i knew you'd be great uh, we know we've already done a great podcast with you uh, which of course i need to remind everyone go listen to the back catalogue to um listen to the full episode with, with nathan when when we kind of did our big in-depth interview with him um but hopefully we will be back with a little walk roundup and then a look ahead towards uh the czech world cup we've got the reintroduction of some sprint races uh, back into the World Cup schedule. Very, very exciting. So we'll hopefully be back in a couple of weeks with one of those. <laughs>